our fathers and, and just global fathers, especially fathers of color, specifically speaking of black fathers, set out to do the very best they could with what they had or what they were given or what they were shown. And I think in these pages, you will find different levels of love and sharing, redemption, reflection, and it's sparking so many conversations on so many different levels. And I believe that it's a, it's a dream realized. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Booked and Busy Bookkeeping Services, LLC. Schedule a free 30-minute consultation and see how they can help your small business. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Val The Voice Johnson. Welcome to another edition of Interludes. I am Val The Voice Johnson, along here with my executive producer, Michael Womble. I wanted to go ahead and introduce you to three authors of the book called I Am My Father's Keeper, short stories of love, compassion, and growth. We are here with Adrian Upchurch, Kalani Wilson, and the self-proclaimed project visionary, Tamiko Laurie-Jones, Welcome, ladies, to Interludes. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. This is a great read. So um, thank you. First of all, thank you for putting this book together. It is um, really extraordinary. And just want to start off kind of asking you about how this was put together. Um, I know that, that if something like this doesn't just come happenstance that there is some kind of background maybe some type of motivation that happened so i want to know first of all what motivated you ladies you daughters to write this book and what's the message who, who needs to read this yep i'm gonna i'm gonna hop right on in here um ladies um it's so funny first and foremost thank you so much for allowing us to come today um to talk about um this book and more so the most important uh, topic when it comes to relationships, um, relationships between fathers and daughters. So that, that's the first thing I want to say. Second thing is, um, Valerie, I didn't self-proclaim that name. <laughs> the, the, team, <laughs> the team called me the Project Visionary. Absolutely. I've away from it forever. So it was not, <laughs> it was not me. Uh, so that's the second thing. The, the third thing is um, absolutely, Mike, uh, this this interview, this conversation, even this beginning of this warms my heart because what I'm hearing from you and Valerie is exactly, I think, right, ladies, what we wanted to feel and hear um, when we pushed this project forward. Um, so the project was birthed for me. Um, having lost my father in 2020, abruptly um, having made up in my mind, like 
prior to his passing that, oh, I'm going to go talk to him about some things. There's some things that I need resolved. Um, I have questions. Um, and then all of a sudden for him to be gone from me, having not resolved those things within myself or with, with him, um, I, I kind of went into a slump and a, a friend of mine, a confidant of mine um, said, hey, those things you wanted to talk to your father about, talk to him you know, say them, whatever it is, you know, say, let it come out of your mouth. And so there were things that I couldn't let come out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> but there were also things that I knew I wanted um, to, to give the world on a greater platform. I, I knew that I wanted to um, say some things to him on a larger platform as well. And so um, having had close relationships with uh, all of the women that are involved in this project, I reached out to them individually and ask them to join a journey with me. And, you know, I had this big idea, <laughs> you know, I, I, I pitched it to them. Some of them came, you know, willingly, others came kicking and screaming, um, but but they all came. Um, and, and so here we are, here we are, um, here to bless the world with a message of um, really being reflective on the relationships, the people who came before you, your ancestry, your parents, um, those who pour into you, being reflective on those relationships, um, uh, thinking about ways in which you can grow within those relationships, those great relationships, as well as those ones that struggle. And then also just having gratitude and paying homage to um, those who have paved the way and made the difference. And so I hope that I answered all of your questions. I'm going to see if Kalani or Adrian has anything else to express and share um, around that. Okay, great. I'll go, um, Adrian. So I was just going to say, as far as like who needs the book or who should be reading this book, I feel like everyone should read this book. Obviously, we're all here because we have a father in our life. And so there's some point in one of these stories where someone's going to be able to relate or say, oh my God, that happened to me, or I understand, I can relate. And so I, for me, I think everyone, anyone can read this book and take away something from it. Yeah, I was just going to share that we're coming from so many different perspectives through many different lenses of our relationships with our fathers. Uh, I think this is a book for both men and women, not just daughters of fathers, but right. also for sons of fathers and for fathers to read. It, it certainly is a salute. And as Tamiko indicated, we are, we are in a space of gratitude and thankfulness. Our fathers and, and just global fathers, especially fathers of color, specifically speaking of black fathers, set out to do the very best they could with what they had or what they were given or what they were shown. And I think in these pages, you will find different levels of love and sharing, redemption, reflection, and it's sparking so many conversations on so many different levels. And I believe that it's a it's a dream realized when Tamiko reached out to us individually just to talk about the project and come aboard. We, um, you know, you got to sit with yourself for a minute because you're gonna pour out. Your soul is gonna be on these pages, and you and you just want to make sure that you you do it accurately and that it'll pierce the heart of just one reader. And so to know that there are there's a groundswell. Of, of folks who are reading this and, and commenting just we're so full we're just we're just so very full it, it, it's awesome definitely awesome can i just jump in here and add more um just a little bit more context to around our process and i will say this we are talkers um you know like we we're comfortable with this conversation because we know that we um, poured every bit of us into our into this 
project for the last year and a half to two years, you know, mm -hmm. um, but you know, even though I came with the frame and I came with the pieces to help move the project along, um, it was along, it was, it was these women who poured everything in and basically built the plane um, as we were flying it and then re reviewing and going back and editing and, you know, is, is this the right path to go? Um, but in that, because we were going through such a cathartic experience ourselves, um, you know, we did have to um, step back and make sure that we were attentive to our mental, spiritual health. And so I heard Mike um, mention, or maybe it was Val, you mentioned that we brought in a, a therapist, a counselor, and we did. We, we, whatever it was, we needed to do. So clearly Mike has read the back of the book, the appendix, and thank you so much, um, because we really wanted to put our process, the process that we went through, we wanted to put it in the book. We want to hold it for ourselves because that's a portion, that's a part of that call to action. You know, so not only are we saying we went through this project, process and project of, you know, just really honing in and digging deep in regards to our relationships with our fathers and the implications on our lives and turning that back around and saying, thank you, no matter, no matter, no matter, thank you. Um, we want other people to, um, to take that journey, maybe not to write a book, but to start to process and start to even heal around um, some of the things that, you know, may have come up through life, some of the, the things that you never understood. Have the conversation, right? And be willing to, to adjust. You know, um, I think, again, my father's passing shook me to my core. I, I mentioned it in the book um, yeah. because I, you know, I, I was in such a struggle with the love relationship, you know, he was in no struggle, but, but I was in, in a struggle. So as we read through the book, we think about perceptions, perspectives as well, you know, and, and it's really about um, growth and change. And I'll be quiet. <laughs> no, no, we, no, 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 don't, don't be quiet. Cause, cause, cause I, I'm struck by the fact that, that your dad knew that you were going to do this. When, when he says, uh, remember one day, this is on page 67 of the book, the book is, I am my father's keeper, written by six daughters who love their father. And on page 67, um, Dr. Joe, you write, uh, remember, uh, your dad tells you, remember one day you will write your own book. Hell, you may even write a book about me. And here you are. Here I am. That's right. Here I am. And Excellent. you know, Mike, it's so funny with that story. I remember getting off the phone and calling my oldest sister, my oldest sister, and telling her, you know, what daddy had said. You know, I'm like, girl, I am not about to write a book about him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I was I was in that, you know, that that and maybe one day, maybe one day I truly will. And so that that's why in the introduction I state, you know, this might not be the book that you were thinking. Um, but this definitely is the foundation, the, the soil, I think, through which a lot of things will be birthed, a lot of things will continue to grow. And so um, I'm thankful for George Edward Long um, and all that he offered to me um, and, and all that I'm able now to offer to the greater community. So calling out the fathers, uh, we have George Edward Long. So that's you, Dr. Dr. Jones, and you have Mark Andrew Upchurch Jr. Yeah, and then yeah. Cordell Wilson Sr. Of all of the fathers, and I'll mention my dad, uh, William David Johnson. That's my dad. Michael, right. your father's your father's name? David Roy Womble. 
Come on and say their names. Yes. <laughs> say their names. Right. Uh, and I, I almost feel emotional yeah. talking about that because very similar to you, uh, Tamiko, I lost my father in, in 2012. And Michael, you, you lost your father. When did you lose your father? Oh, 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 you got me Sorry. there. Sorry. You got me there. There's a story for another time on, on, on that, that issue. Uh, but yes, uh, many years ago, many years ago. Yeah. I could get another chance, another walk, another dance with him. I'd play a song that would never, ever end. How I'd love, love, love to dance with my father again. So I mentioned, I wanted to mention our fathers in this conversation because one word that jumps out to me and it's the title is Mbutu. Am I saying that right, Michael? Okay. You give us the definition of that. Uh, what does it mean to claim that role? And just think about it for the for us that's lost our fathers. Um, is it any different if your father was alive or has transitioned beyond this world? And that's to everyone. Well, I will say um, I lost my dad in 2015 and we had a, a very close relationship. Um, the last five years of his life, I was able to care for him and just in an emotional space. He, he wasn't ill at the time we lost my mom in 2010 and he was heartbroken. That was his favorite girl. And I could see that in order for him to thrive, he was going to need uh, to be purposeful. He was going to need to still be needed. And just some of those day-to-day -day that he had become accustomed to in living with my mom, they were married um, almost, uh, they made it almost to their, their 50th year. And I think when I reflect back that um, pain and loss, it's so visceral when you've had a relationship that you can speak to in terms of a day-to-day. -day. And I, I would often tease um, in talking with some colleagues and friends that those five years, um, I moved back home to look after dad. Because my dad was a very unique, unique fellow. And my mom would always say from her sick bed, now you know your dad's gonna need some looking after. You're gonna, you're gonna have to look after dad. And so my two sisters and I took that to heart very seriously. And I moved back again, just for companionship and just to keep the light and laughter in the home. I think that because he was, I am truly in every every sense of the word, not just because he gave me life, but once that little life started, everything else that, that followed. So um, I certainly wish that he were here. He would be so tickled to even know that his name is being mentioned, let alone that there is, there's a, a book now. Um, but he was an English teacher and, and a writer at heart and would have loved to have been a published author. Times were different, things were different. And so this is just a wonderful gift. Um, but you know, it's something I grapple with. Like I, I miss him every day. Definitely miss him every day. Tell us about Mark Andrew Jr. 
Now, now I, I love going. I love going with you into into the the restaurant, and, and you in line, and they they're coming at you, girl, because they know oh. your because your father wasn't just your father; he was a father figure, right? Yes, yes, very much so. Yeah, I remember that day so vividly. It just it makes me chuckle even now. Um, and that would happen often just within the community spaces where. My dad was a humble guy. He was quiet and definitely always in his thoughts, in his books. And his students, when he, his experience at Inglewood High School led him to know that as soon as I get my credentials in order, finish my own education, I'm coming right back here. Here is where I need to be. Now, he had offers to go uh, myriad places and he could have taught at different levels. But he was adamant. No, 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 no. I, I have to go back. Our our black kids have to read. Like they they need to be literate, and I I want them to love literature as I do. And so to run into a former student who just he couldn't contain himself, his exuberance, but he brought his personality to that short exchange, and we just cracked up laughing. Like I don't want to give it away. There'll be so many others who get a chance to actually read it. But I will say that when you see the fruits of your labor in the flesh, it's just amazing. And and my dad, he, he chuckled and he remembered the student. He had an uncanny memory. And so he knew the names, he knew the fellow. And, and the guy was just so proud to say, hey, I, you know, I got a wife and I've, I, I've made something of myself. And But when he was having that personal exchange with his wife, and the expletives came out, but it was just re re regarding how my father taught. Yeah. Priceless, absolutely priceless. Oh my goodness. Um, it, it, you got your copy of your book right there. there I do, there is, I there, do. Is, there is a part that I, I would like, if, if you could, if you could, I'm gonna pull it up so I make sure. Um, so, uh, so I'll start with this question and then if you could read a little bit of it, that would be great. And okay, sure. If this doesn't answer the question, then feel free to give a, a fuller answer. But okay. uh, I think it, there is something. I know as a male reading this book, you know, about daughters talking about their fathers, I had a very different um, read and interpretation of it, uh, probably because I have a daughter. So I didn't read it just as, you know, as the uh, the person looking toward their father. I'm looking at it like, you know, this little girl and what I need to do with her. And Right. That's it. That's right. Yes. She is precious, child. Uh, <laughs> so, they are so, all precious, yes. <laughs> so there was, there's this, this is set, you, you talk about, one of the things you talk about is the BB Patrol. And then, <laughs> then there's this other section that I I would love if you could. Uh, it's on, I think it's on seventy three, page seventy three, and just this little bit. You you talk about um, about your uh, about the people who marry into your family, and what that means to then take in and have this relationship with your dad. It begins, uh, if you could, if you could start, it says that they say that a woman ends up marrying a man who has the traits and you, and you start talking about your dad. 
Um, sure. They say that a woman ends up marrying a man who has the traits, similarities, or personality of her father. When I think of my two brothers in love, who were extremely wise to marry an upchurch girl, it makes me smile. Dad was adamant about defining early on. His girls were the marrying kind. No living with a man without commitment. No babies without mom and dad married in the home. Remember, he only knew what he knew, but he believed in teamwork, a partnership, and that two come together to build and then grow a family. His heart was so compassionate as he knew this existence and way of viewing the world was idyllic. Black folks just did not always have such a reality. He poured into so many single fathers and single mothers throughout his entire life. I heard him say on more than one occasion, I'm such a blessed man. I have a wife and my daughters. I never thought I would have so much. And the way he provided and engaged with his family consistently made us all feel very valued, very loved. That's amazing. Michael? Yeah, that's I mean, it's beautiful. It's just just the, the idea. I mean, what what did that feel like? Because uh it's, it's some so many of us, and, and I'll speak for myself in that way, uh, we kind of scramble. We try to do what we can to establish this kind of like uh, relationship with our father and your father seemed to have so much that he was able to share with so many people. Did you feel in any ways, any kind of competition or that, that he, did he, did you feel like he was still, was able to make time for you even as he reached out into the community, as he, as the family expanded? as he showed kind of almost as a role model of what it meant to be a, a father. Yeah, I would say for my dad, um, let me let me back into it this way. Growing up as a little girl with my sisters, we presumed that this relationship or this type of, this was, these, this is what a dad is. And it was happening in all homes all across America. I, you know, I don't even think I had the concept of, um, both my parents were teachers, so we all got home at the same time. So dinner time at the same time every day was possible. It's not until I was older that I understood, well, yes, if you get off work at 2.30 or 3 o'clock, dinner can be prepared and ready like at 6 o'clock. Not, not understanding other homes, mom may work till 6 p.m., dad may leave work starting at 7 p.m. and get home at, you know, 2 a.m. So you you get a bigger, broader sense of the world around you. We never felt that we uh, were wanting in any way or we had to share dad with others. The, dad's job was to teach. He loved words. He loved language. And he wasn't a center of attention type of guy. He would enter a room and either go to the left or to the right. Now, gradually throughout whatever the event or function, there would be a small group that would gravitate towards him and whatever he was he was stating or indicating or, or talking about in conversation. And he was comfortable in that space. So everything that he had, literally, it was Pat and the girls. He poured into us and whatever spillover, we were so delighted and, and he was 
such a magnanimous individual that sharing him was no problem whatsoever. We never, never in a million years would even think about, wow, you know, I wish dad would do more with, I would, because he, he did it. He did it. So that's the, that's what I would have to share about that. Thanks, Adrian. I'm going to now shift. I'm going to go ahead and shift the focus now to Kalani. Your dad, Cordell Wilson Sr., uh, did something very similar. He worked a job, one job, CTA, for yeah. the entirety. And I, my, I, my, I relate to that because my father did the same thing. He worked at the Dow Corporation as a chemical engineer for the entirety of his work life. I, I, I don't know if he moved around or anything like that. Um, you stated in the book that you're, you're still grappling with confidence, even in midlife. I wanted to know about that and how writing this about your dad, how did it help build your confidence? Okay, great. Thanks, Valerie. I'll be honest, um, Tamiko mentioned earlier how this book brought up a lot. There was many times that I really wanted to just be like, I quit. I don't even want to be a part of this. Because so you're, you were the one that was kicking and screaming, right? <laughs> I'm one of the ones. Yeah, I'm one. I am. Yes. And so um, it definitely had moments where I definitely had to do some reflecting. And I even had a conversation with him about like, you know, some things that my dad's still living. So I was able to have those conversations with him. Um, so I'll just say like for confidence, like again, if when you read the book, like I speak to how I just wish that there were more opportunities that he would have asked me um, more like how I felt. And so how does that show up? I see it sometimes in my interactions with others. I'm, I'm not speaking up as much as I should. Um, had my dad probably asked me, you know, and how I felt about something, I think I would be more vocal. So I tend to be the type of person that will keep things in because we didn't have that type of environment as Adrian mentioned, where we sat at a table and talked. He worked the second, third shift. So I never saw him really. So there was like very little interaction unless we were, you know, maybe on the weekend doing something, um, going on a vacation, but sitting at a table or just having conversations and talking about my day, how I felt about things that never happened and um so now we have that because i'm an adult and i think that's also just how he was raised um so it's so important that hopefully as people read the book and even as i raise my own children i am very conscious about sitting down and asking them how do you feel what's on your mind because that plays into someone's confidence and so i again i sometimes even at this age am still struggling with speaking my mind because I did not grow up like that. So that's what I'm referencing in the book, Valerie. Yeah, and I definitely understand that where you're just trying to fight through just being confident, just you know, speaking your truth, especially with our parents. It's, it, can be a, it can be a little bit difficult. As I reveal a little bit more about the relationship that I had with my father, my parents divorced when they were, um, when I was young. And so a lot of, of the separation that I felt from my dad, he was with and started and was with another family. And this is when I related to, um, to Miko, I related to you and the absence of your dad and just not being present. When, and, and I knew, I'd, my mother unfortunately passed away in 2019 and I knew what would help me, it was to go through grief 
uh, recovery grief counseling. And that was very helpful and healing for my, you know, well-being and, and the whole nine. To create this project, Tomiko, and this is directed at you, what would you think that your father would say about this project? And how do, do you feel that you've respected him in your telling of what happened and everything that was between the two of you as as daughter and father oh that's a that's a heavy question right and so and definitely one in which i reflected on um in launching um the project um and seeing it through you know um what what do i think both questions and what do i think my father um would would say or feel um, I think he'd be very proud of me. You know, my father didn't shy away from who he was. Google him, you know, like literally, right? And so, you know, he he was who he was. His past was was his past. Um, I tried very hard to um, ensure that the things that I shared were respectful, truth, right? My truth, the truth, um, uh, but respectful. Um, you you can't. Um, you, you can't hide from those things that are facts, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, so in that, you know, I spoke, wrote from my perspective, right? My perception, what I felt, my wondering, right? Um, and and the, the thing I think my father knew, knew about me was that I'm all about, you know, growth and, and trying to, um, trying to be better and trying to understand better and, you know, um, joining people who are going to be better and, and bringing people along so they can be better. So that, that's really the concept of my life. And I think my father, he knows that he knew it very well, you know, um, so I think he'd be very proud. Um, he, I think he definitely would see the, that there is, um, you know, the end justifies the means, you know, if you, exactly. if you will, right. And so, um, <laughs> But nothing, nothing in this book. I don't. I I don't feel it's disrespectful or out of out of turn um, when it comes to who he was and what he gave to me. And so, in all of the things of who he was, at every turn, I was able to look back and reflect and say, you know, what could I have done differently, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the relationship is reciprocal, right? Exactly. Um, even though he's the adult and he's the the parent, you know, in, in hindsight, what could Tamiko have done differently, especially as she became a more aware of herself and how the world operates, right? Um, and so I I think that with within all of that, he would see that this is a prize and this is a win, not just for us, but for so many who may have a story to tell or may feel alone in this space you know, um, and really want to know like what to do next, right? Um, how do I deal with this? And so my hope with all of this inclusive of the call to action is that healing for those who need to be healed um, can be somehow impacted through 
Throughout life, people will make you mad, disrespect you, and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do, because hate in your heart will consume you too. Always tell the truth, say your prayers, hold doors, pull out chairs, easy on the swears. You live and prove that dreams come true. I love you and I'm here for you. Just the two of us. I want to talk to you a little bit about that part of it. Um, Last week, I was in a um, was meeting with students, uh, BSU meeting, Black Student Union meeting, high school kids. And the whole meeting was pretty much about how they relate to their parents, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, and sort of trying to set up kind of a relationship where it is uh, more uh, equal footing, uh, where there's kind of respect back and forth. And I want to point out something that you you have in this book, uh, Dr. Jones, uh, here. And it's it's on page 48 of the copy that you all can get from the website, I Am My Father's Keeper, uh, written by six daughters who love their fathers. And you talk about, as you just mentioned, that your father, he didn't come into the world as your father. He came into the world as a person, just like, all of us and he went through things just like we all do um and it struck me that that we were thinking about generational trauma that there's generational trauma going on and and this is one of the reasons why i would recommend this book to younger readers to to teenagers yes young adult women especially to think about this, that that their parents weren't always their parents. Their parents were out doing things just like they're doing things. That their parents were people who tried to, to do the best at times, maybe didn't succeed, but yep. they're certainly human. And you you write here, um, you, you, you state that, um, I wonder about his childhood, which I know minimally about. I wonder about the things that taught him to love. In that same vein, I wonder about his hurts and his sadness. I wonder about his trauma. We often forget that our parents have past trauma that they have worked through and are trying to work through or running away from. I sometimes wonder about the times in which George felt alone and how he handled those moments. Dr. Jones, what would you say to young young people, uh, teenagers, young uh, men and women, um, trying to deal with their work through a relationship or to try to cultivate a relationship with their parents and maybe it's not going as they would like it to go. What, what advice would you have toward them? Because I certainly don't want us to see this generational trauma continue. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think um, you nailed a, a big piece of um, a thread that's probably kind of threaded throughout all of my pieces, right? Um, I love, love, loved my father. <laughs> you know, like, let, let me be clear about George Edward Long, okay? Like, you know, who, who he was for me, I absolutely love. And, and in that same space, um, I was so angry with George Edward Long. How could you? How did, you know, why didn't you think 
where was I in your thought process? Mm-hmm. You know, so all, all of those things. I, I think um, that you clearly back in the 80s and 90s, you know, 70s folks weren't talking about, you know, bringing in a therapist and, you know, uh, using um, using your your health benefits to um, capitalize on on those options, right? Um, and, and whatever free options are out there. You know, I don't think back then, you know, we were shining a light on how impactful having um, the uh, professional support in, in such a traumatic traumatic space is, right? And so, you know, I, I would say, you know, we say communication, but when you don't know how to communicate, then what, you know? So I, I, I say that, you know, in a space where as a teen, looking back on things where I would struggle, the, the spaces where I grew the most were where, when I pulled in someone else to help me because I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand how to maneuver through what I was feeling and what I was going through, right? Um, and that could have been my school counselor, you know? I, had, I was lucky to have mentors along the way who supported me. Um, and I may not have shared, many of them didn't know that my father was away, <laughs> um, but they knew that he was not, that, that there was an element that was missing for me. You know, and, and I've said in the book, he called, he, you know, he wrote, he sent gifts, right? All those, all those, those things. But the physical protection from the elements of the Cabrini Green area in Chicago in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s wasn't, wasn't there for me, you know, um, the choices that I made, right? And so in, in that, and I'll own my choices, I will do that. I'll own my choices, but I'm just saying, I just know that some things could have possibly been different had I had some other options and I won't blame him, but all of it plays a role, right? And so I would say to any young person, um, reach out to someone for a conversation, someone who's tangible, someone who you trust, right? And get help with talking and processing things. And, and, and then we have the youth the young person, but we also have the parent who plays an integral role, right? In that, and their willingness, their space, where they are in regards to having the conversations that are needed for healing. That's a part of the, the, the factor, right? And so, you know, w- what do I do in the space that I that, that adult is not ready, right? That's heavy burden for a child to bear. So it, it is important that, um, you know, other people be pulled into the mix teachers I was out you know I was in the classroom I was a teacher if I felt saw heard you know I got questions come on over here and sit down and let's talk and I would sit and my 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 wait time is real like I can I can wait all day for you to share with me okay absolutely as as a teacher my door is always open always open so when we talk about Ubuntu, Ubuntu and we talk about a village and a community right um, it is inclusive of, yeah, daddies and daughters will read the book, da- daddies of daughters, you know, daughters, what, how do I, sons, all of those things, right? All of that is important um, in, in all of this. And so everyone in the community also has to own the trauma. You can't own it if you hide it, if you're not willing to bring it to life. It cannot heal. So going back to Val's question about my dad, 
I, I and how he could feel about this book. I think that, you know, in processing and in him understanding, he would probably be peacock proud. <laughs> peacock. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had a I just had a vision of uh, <laughs> uh, the actor Alfonso Roberto from The Fresh Prince doing the peacock dance. I'm sorry. <laughs> down the field. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. Squirrel. <laughs> uh, as we as we wrap up, if there was the one word you could use to describe your dad's um, Adrian, Kalani, and Tamiko, what would that be? Wow, one word. I would say magnificent. I would I would have to say in my perspective, in my experience, Mark Andrew of Church Jr. was magnificent. I'm sorry, the special ed song just came to my head. I am the magnificent. I'm I'm old. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, this is a tough one. One word. Um, I would say that George Edward Long was resilient. And I say that because life threw a lot at him, you know, um, but he was strong in his resolve and his bounce back um, in regards to how he loved his children and his family and um, the support that he could give within the path that he took. Miss Wilson. All right. For me, um, the word that comes to mind is humble. Um, my dad um, came from a large family, and he did a lot to set my brother and myself and my mom up really well. And through it all, he just remained humble. Um, I'm, and I'm just thankful for it. And um, I'm fairly grateful for that. So I'm going to say humble. Wow. Now, can I, I just say one thing before we, I, um, I'd be remiss, you know, if I just didn't pause for a second and also just shout out the other three authors. Um, so Angela C. Haynes, her father's name is Robert Lee Brent, Brent Jr. Um, Cache Edwards, her father's name is Stephen Mahoney. And we have Kimberly Gardner. Her father's name is Joe Nathan Walker. We really could not have done this project with all of the fathers and all of the daughters, without all of the fathers and all of the daughters. So thank you to you ladies, because I know you're listening and cheering us on at, in, in state. So thank you. <laughs> well, Dr. Jones. Well, well represented I, today. Well represented today. It, for sure. Yeah. And I thank Michael for bringing this project to me because he had been as he said earlier been watching you on on Facebook and kind of seeing how your your process was and, and now that it's coming the fruition of this book is here if people wanted to get and read I am my father's keeper six daughters who love their fathers where would they go absolutely so they can go to amazon.com and purchase the book um, the book's price is $30. And of course, they will be paying shipping and handling. So yes, grab multiple copies. Um, please go in if you purchase from Amazon and give us a review 
on Amazon. Um, so far, we've had two reviews, I believe, and they all are like, we got five stars. So we want to keep that going. We want this to become uh, a book of conversation. We want to hear about them in your book clubs. Um, so please, please, please get out there and purchase the book and join us also on Facebook. You can find us at um, I Am My Father's Keeper Project. That's our handle for Facebook and then also for Instagram. So we'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to get the dialogue going. We know Father's Day is not that far away. Um, so be on the lookout for even more things from us. I am my father's keeper. And we'd love to have you back just to see how things are, are going and rolling with that. Cause I, like I said, Mbutu, uh, it is. I am my father's keeper, Adrian. Upchurch, Kalani Wilson, and Dr. Tamiko Larry Jones. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been a privilege. Thank you. It's really an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Val. You yes, guys are the best. I am my father's keeper. Hashtag that. <laughs> thank you. There you go. I'm Val the Voice Johnson, and this is Interludes. To catch more behind the scenes with the talented authors of I Am My Father's Keeper, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. Next time on Interludes, back again with a well-produced series on Tubi called Season. We welcome back Chicago filmmaker Andre Blaze Rogers and the cast of Season on the next Interludes. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble, Coach Tony, and Val The Voice Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us and other special guests as we break down the latest topics surrounding music, movies, and sports every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Booked and Busy Bookkeeping Services, LLC, dedicated to keeping you booked while you're busy running your business. Learn more about how they can help you have financial peace of mind by calling 862-251-8503 or visit their website, bookandbusybookkeeping.com. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash Media. Media.